Hey, this is Ed Luther, pastor of City Church in Australia. I hope that today's podcast really inspires you. Thank you so much for listening. Well, I'm excited this morning to uh, continue on a series, and it's, it's really our Christmas theme, which is carrying Christ. Uh, I think about Mary, and she carried Christ. I mean, how awesome is that? She carried the Christ child, in other words, Jesus, uh, God embodiment. Uh, she had the, the privilege of doing that, and that's, you know, that's part of why we celebrate Christmas. It's, it's really, it's God with us, and, and she had God in her, which was pretty amazing. But uh, the amazing truth is so do you. You don't have his physical body in you, of course, but uh, the Spirit of God lives in you, and, and he quickens in the old King James. He makes you alive. And if Christ lives in you, then you are alive. And that's, that's, that's amazing. You carry Christ wherever you go. There's not one place where, where I go where God's not with me and God's not in me. So they were, he was with them in the old covenant. Uh, he came upon prophet, priest, and king. We have a new and better covenant after the cross. He's no longer just with us. We're not chasing him around somewhere or you know, looking up, and he's somewhere in the cosmos. He's in us. Christ in you is your only hope of glory. There is no other hope of glory. It's Christ in you. So whenever, uh, you know, whenever I uh, fall short, I think about, like, how many times do I fall short, like lots, and how far do I fall short, like the distance is immeasurable. But I always look inside, and I realize he's not falling short. He's in me, and he's more than enough uh, to get me through, more than enough to get you through as well. So this morning, I've called this Get Over It. Get Over It. Have you heard that before? So, you know, we're having a whinge or something like that, and somebody that loves us that's got a bit of backbone just says, well, get over it. Just get over it. Um, Not quite where I'm coming from this morning, however, but I thought it was a great title. (laughs) Get over it. And uh, there's a saying that says this. It's those who can't teach, uh, sorry, those who can't teach and those who teach can't. One of the things that amazed me when I went to um, university, otherwise known as college in America, is that some of the professors that were up there were teachers, but they never did the stuff. But I was always amazed when one of the professors would uh, teach, but they also had an extensive background in practice. So I remember once I had a law professor that, uh, you know, he, was in, he had a, like a large, long history of practicing law in America and very prominent in Western Michigan University where I went, like they tried to attract the best faculty. They didn't want somebody that just read a lot of books, passed a lot of exams, but they wanted somebody that had the practical outworking of whatever it was that they were teaching on. And, 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 and I'm amazed because a lot of times people think about Jesus as just a teacher. Well, if that's all he did, then Really, you know, that just falls so far short of, uh, of the lordship of Jesus. If, if as believers and followers of Christ, if all we do is just get taught, 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 you know, there's podcasts, there's the God channel, there's 50 million books out there, there's, there's so much teaching 
that's out there, and there's nothing wrong with teaching. I do a lot of it. But if that's where we stop is just with teaching, then we fall far short of God's ultimate objective for all of us. Those who teach can't. <laughs> Generally, they don't do the stuff if that's all they do. But, but those who can't uh, teach. So got that back to front, but anyway, forgive me. Uh, so following Jesus is so much more than just following his teaching. So this morning, I want to look at the space between teaching and, and outcome. There is a, a big space there between being taught and caught. And in Mark chapter uh, 4, we won't go there, but uh, we will, but not 1 to 34. Mark chapter 4, 1 to 34, Jesus taught them, and he taught them in parables. And, and, and he says something amazing there, so that seeing they wouldn't see, hearing they wouldn't hear, lest they uh, uh, get converted and be forgiven. I'm thinking, isn't that your goal? Isn't that what you kind of want? Like, like what, what is that all about? But he didn't just lay it all out on the surface. He wanted to... To, to the seed of his word to get buried deep into the soil of people's hearts. So he taught in, in parables. It's like riddles and, and mysteries so that they had to dig deeper. But even that teaching in itself uh, wasn't enough to take them over from, from where they're at, taught to, to caught. Teaching itself, even if you figure out, unravel a lot of the mysteries, just that teaching itself is not going to take you over. And then in verse 35 of, of Mark chapter 4, and we're going we're gonna to read here something amazing. After the teaching, he answers all the questions. He has Q&A time. And they just, you know, so what does it mean? You know, what is that seed anyway? Well, the seed is the word of God. What does it mean that some of it fell uh, on, on the path and, and the birds just came and, and took it away. Well, that's when the, sh when the soil of your heart is shallow and, 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 it, and, and my word doesn't get deep into you, then it can just get picked away. The devil just comes and just picks it away. It's, it's easy pickings. What does it mean for some of that, that, that seed that goes on rocky ground? It kind of springs up, but then it, you know, it withers and everything. Well, that's what happens when you have hardness of heart. And what about the thorns and, and things that choke some of it? Well, that's the cares of this world and, and the lust of other things. It chokes out even, even a good crop. And so you have to guard your heart with all diligence. And so Jesus has, the great teacher has this great Q&A time with them, answers all the questions. You guys get this? Yeah, that's amazing, man. We took a lot of notes. Like, this is incredible. I can't wait to teach this to somebody else. And then Mark chapter 4, verse 35. On that day, that's the same day that he taught, taught him all day when evening came, he said to his disciples, notice here it doesn't say his students. We're called to be disciplined followers of Christ, not just students of teaching. He says, let us go over to the other side. Thus, my title this morning, Get Over It. There's always something that you're crossing over. God's always beckoning you to come over to the other side uh, of something. 
He's always challenging you. That's the, the, you know, the, 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 the way of the righteous winds upward, the Bible says, not downward. Like, he's always challenging us. And, and sometimes, you know, let's be honest, we don't like to be challenged. I don't like to be challenged in my character and, and where I'm going. And things that challenge us, we often try to avoid those things because it's, it's, sometimes it's painful and, and, and it takes faith to step out and do that. But as a disciplined follower of Christ, as a disciple, he's always asked, come on, let's go over to the other side. And so leaving the crowd behind, which in itself is something that most people would never do, fame and fortunes and crowds, and, you know, we kind of like that, don't we? I mean, I'm kind of a solitary guy. Actually, I love my space, but, uh, you know, it's nice when the place is packed out at church. It's nice when, you know, you uh, write a song or you post something on social media and you get a lot of likes. And, you know, we love the crowd. To walk away from that, to cross over to something else is not an easy challenge. That's why we've got our friend Jeremy coming uh, next, next week because he did exactly that. He walked away from the crowd. And they took him along, Jesus. They took him along as he was. Now, we're going to find out as he was, was dog tired. He had ministered. He had taught. He was so tired that we're, we're going to find out that he just falls asleep. So they take him as he was in the boat. And I love this little, um, this little add-on here. There were also other boats with him. Sometimes we forget that it's not just us, it's others as well, that we're not alone in this endeavor to cross over. There are other little boats that are out there in that water too. They don't even have Jesus in the boat with them. I think about us because physically, you know, Jesus was there 2,000 years ago, but, you know, he's not walking around in bodily form with us right now. We have to take it by faith. They had to take it by faith that God was with them. They're in another boat. He's in, he's in, in a boat with his disciples, but they're in boats all over the place uh, out in that, in that sea. And so he's called them to cross over as well. And then verse 37, a furious squall came up. Now, that means, you know, this is huge. All of a sudden, the wind starts to blow, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. I've been out in boats in the, in the middle of uh, some pretty bad water, even the Great Lakes where I grew up. You know, you can't see across those lakes, and, and uh, they have incredible waves. Some of those waves will be 30 foot, uh, and they break ships in half. There's a whole lot of ships on the bottom of Lake Superior and, and some of the other lakes where I grew up uh, that because of great storms that came up, even in, in large lakes. And now they're on the Sea of Galilee or the Sea of Tiberias, and, and this great storm comes up so that the boat is being swapped. These guys are fishermen. They're used to the water. They're used to waves and everything. But this thing was extraordinary, so it's swamping the boat. Verse 38, Jesus was in the stern, the back of the boat, sleeping on a cushion. Wow. He is not worried about nothing. He's the Lord that created the wind, the waves, the water. He created them. He's sleeping on a cushion. And the disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drowned? There's something that stands out here that I want to make a note of. And the first thing is this, how they addressed him. 
And it's the way that most of us know him. They knew him as teacher. They knew him as the expository guy on the podcast or the God channel that preached amazing, encouraging message to everybody. You can do it. You can do all things. Come on. Those bills are nothing. You can, you, you're going to prosper. Everything's going to go great for you. You know, the, the teacher, teach, teach, teach. But they didn't call him Lord. They knew him as teacher, but they're about to know him as Lord. Now, there is something between teacher and Lord, and that's what we're going to focus in on this morning. There's a great space, again, between taught and caught. And if we don't catch that space, and if we don't make a note of that space, and if we don't embrace it, to be honest, we're only going to know him as the guy that teaches great uh, lessons and has great proverbs and great promises for all of us, but we're never going to step over into those promises if we don't know him as more than teacher. And they said, don't you care that we drown? Question mark. He got up. I think about what was it that woke him up? But the waves and the wind and the boat, you know, swamped and he's soaking wet, no doubt about it. The boat's rocking and reeling everywhere. He didn't even wake up with that but something woke him up, and it was more than just waves and wind and getting buffeted around. He got up, and he rebuked the wind, and he said to the waves, Quiet! Be still! And the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, that's you and me, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? All that teaching, a whole day's worth, Q&A, unraveling parables and mysteries, going back and looking at what the prophet Isaiah said and Jeremiah and all of those things, all that great teaching, and it didn't even produce faith. I read it again here. Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? See, teaching in itself doesn't produce faith. Oh, but faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word. It does. But there's something else that needs to be done with that. Something called obedience. You have to hear it and then do it. Yongi Cho, who pastored the world's biggest church, in South Korea, he said this when somebody asked him, what, what is, what's the secret to your success? He said, I pray and I obey. In other words, I hear what God has to say and then I obey what God says. Pray in itself, hear what God says to you in itself, accomplishes nothing. Pray and obey teaching and caught. Why is it you have no faith? Not little faith, not some faith, but no faith. Verse 41, they were terrified and they asked each other, who is this? They knew him as teacher, but who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? Now there's something that's in the middle of teaching and hearing the word, if you will, and caught or seeing the result and actually crossing over 
It's a word that, quite frankly, we all dread. We all probably hate it. I don't like it, not one little bit, so I'm in the boat with you on this. And it's called trouble. Trouble. I don't want trouble. You don't want trouble either. I know you. There's nobody that gets up in the morning and goes, all right, I can't wait for more trouble today. Woo, you know, bring it on. This is so good. I've been listening to podcasts, and, you know, now it's time for trouble to happen. No, we don't like trouble if we're honest, unless there's something wrong with you. And you go, oh, I do. I love trouble. Well, you, you, you're something's wrong, seriously wrong. What happens when trouble comes, and that's the gulf, that's the space, if you will, between the teaching or the taught and the caught, is it causes you, number one, to think God doesn't care. So in other words, how, how could God remain silent? How could he be sleeping in the back of the boat through my trouble? And, and, and why doesn't he do something? Well, he did. They woke him up. And the way they woke him up was with, with their words because the next thing is to see God doesn't care. Oh, trouble causes us to think God doesn't care. Because if he did, we wouldn't be going through this. Well, you're really, really wrong on that because he's taught you something. He's given you a word. You've prayed about something. Don't expect him to be, you know, the fair, the uh, uh, genie in the bottom and to rub the, my Bible, you know, and then phew, he's going to, what can I do for you? There won't be trouble. Of course not. I'm, I'm your genie God. So three wishes or 65 or whatever. No, not going to happen. Second thing that trouble causes is, Another bad word, There's, this is like a cuss word, you know, trouble. Fear. What if I drowned? What if the teacher, if he's just a teacher and nothing more than a teacher and, and we've all been fooled? And so fear causes paralysis and procrastination in particular. Freeze. You're on one side. You're not going over because you got to get through the trouble. You got to get through the waves of life. You got to get through the wind of life. You've got to get through discouraging voices. You you have to push your way through this storm, or you're not getting over to the other side of whatever it is that God's promised you and He's beckoning you to go. Which, my friends, usually I'm going to be honest with you, it's usually inside of you, not outside anyway. Where God wants to take you is not so much some physical destination or, you know, some bank account balance number or something like that. He wants to develop your character, which is another really bad word. And so trouble is the way that you are going to develop your characters through the storm. It's not through the calm. And so, uh, you know, fear sets in. What if I, what if I drown? And he, and he gets up and he says, why is it that you are so afraid? I think about these other little boats. They didn't even, they couldn't even wake Jesus up. He wasn't even in their boat. They just probably heard the command, go to the other side, or perhaps they just wanted to follow him because, okay, he's moving. 
The, the limo is pulled out of the arena. The rock star's in the limo. Let's get in the, you know, let's get in our cars and let's, you know, follow the paparazzi. Let's get over there right now. You know, the boat's moving. Let's get in our little boat and let's follow them because we want to be on the other side because we've got all these sick children and we got, we need miracles and the miracle worker's on the move. So let's follow him. And they get caught in the same storm, but they don't have Jesus in their boat. Somebody said once that water never sunk a boat. I thought, what do you mean? Water outside of a boat never sunk a boat. It's only when water gets inside the boat that the boat goes, goes down. Bad things going on around you, welcome to the world. But Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. Trouble's going to happen. Trouble's happening right now. There's trouble, 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 always trouble. But I'm not going to let my heart, the water cannot get into my heart. I have to guard my heart with all diligence. I've got to plug the leaks. I've got to make sure that trouble doesn't get into my heart. And Jesus, because we're carrying him, that's why this series, you know, it's called Carrying Christ. He's in my heart. He's not troubled by any of it. So I have to look inside of my heart. You've got to look into your heart. If you're going through trouble right now or you've had a promise from God and, and you know, water's getting in your boat, you think, I'm going down. I, I don't know how I'm going to get my way out of this one. Look inside. Who's in you? Christ is in you, the hope of, of glory. Jesus Christ is, the, is your only hope. And the third thing that, uh, that happens is, is they begin to question why? Who, who are you? We, we begin to question, where, where were you when this bad thing happened? Why, why, what, what did I get wrong? I was doing this about this time of year, and it was uh, quite a few years back now, but we had an awesome man of God that led our worship at the time. His name was Warwick Sale. Some of you would know him if you were in the church back then. He's just one of the nicest guys, honestly, that you'd ever know. We finished up our Christmas, family Christmas service, went home. You know, we all ate and had, a, you know, such a great service and everything. And, um, you know, Warwick actually wasn't leading from the front. He was working the overhead projector that that, that service. And, uh, and I remember, you know, he, he kind of had the day. He was rostered off. And then about, I don't know, 3 o'clock in the morning, I got a phone call. It was his family. He passed away. He had a heart attack. I drove down the hill. You know, he'd already... Um, He'd already gone on, and I was, I was devastated. And we did the funeral, uh, Shout to the Lord song had just come out. I remember singing that as his coffin's going out the door, and, you know, everybody's lined up. Our little church was honestly, you know, there wasn't a dry eye in the place. Like, everybody that knew him loved him. Amazing. But I remember walking through the streets of Bud Budrum, and I was kind of kicking a can, and Why? He's 40 years old. Like, why? Come on, God. I don't even have, and I don't have anybody to take his place. And why? How could you? This trouble now. What's going on here? I don't know if you've ever been there before, but. And Jesus spoke to me. He said, I'm not the why. I'm the way. You're asking the wrong question. Instead of looking for the way through the trouble, you're asking why did the trouble happen? 
Some of you are sitting here right now. You need to quit asking why. And you, st- you need to start looking at the way. He said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I am the door. You look at Jesus. You fix your eyes on Jesus. He is the author and the finisher. He's on one side teaching, but he's on the other side. He is there in the middle all the way through. And he's in your boat. Come on, church. Asking the wrong question. I repented. And God spoke to me again while I was kicking that can and everything else, and he said, he was only on loan to you anyway. He's mine, not yours. I gave him to you. I want him back, so what's the proper thing to say when somebody wants something back that they loan to you? It's like, thank you. Thank you for loaning it to me. Let it go. It was never yours. People don't belong to you. None of this stuff belongs to us. We're just here on this earth as stewards. And so we begin the question number four. We want to abandon ship. I think about being in that boat. It would have been a fairly large boat, enough to fit 12 of them anyway. 13 with Jesus. Don't know if Judas found another way across. <laughs> he had the money. So, hey, what if I pay you to put me on a camel and trot around and get over there? Uh, but you know, they're pretty. They're pretty livid. They're scared. And not only that, it probably stinks in that boat. There's who knows what's washing around in the bottom of that boat. But that boat represents the church. I believe you and I. It stinks sometimes when we get together. (laughs) It's not always pleasant, is it? And I think about how many times, in fact, how many people do bail, and they're not bailing out water. They're bailing as in, I'm, I'm getting out of here because it stinketh. And Peter and John and, you know, Peter looking over there, man, John, like, when's the last time you washed yourself? Like, do you, do you believe in deodorant? Like, what is the deal here, you know? Like, I know you were fishing while we were, you know, being taught by Jesus and, and gutting all those fish, and, you know, you, you just really stink. And what about you, Matthew? Come on, man. Like, you're known as being the stinky one amongst the group. Maybe I'm just making it up. But, you know, and, and, and da- you know, doubting Thomas there. Oh, we're going to go down. I knew we should have gone over. I just knew it. I just had this feeling. There's no way, you know. I tried to tell you guys we shouldn't go over. Kind of an Arnold Schwarzenegger accent there. We don't go over to get to the chopping boat. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but it starts to stink in the boat. Not only that, the boat's sinking. It's a stinking, sinking boat. And so the temptation is, I'm out of here. I'm going to bail. If I could give you any advice, stay in the boat. Just stay in the boat. Stick with Jesus and stick with his stinky people because you stink too. Well, test reveal, the test reveals your best. The test isn't answering questions like answering questions on an exam. It's not that kind of test, trouble. God in you is much better than your best, but what brings that out is the test. It kind of all rhymes, doesn't it? And so the test will locate you. 
It'll see what you're made of. It'll see whether the teaching that you receive, whether that seed has gotten deep into your soil, because soil stinks too, and soil is dirt. And so if that seed doesn't get into that dirt, into the soil of your heart, that seed's never going to grow. And if it does, if it stays on the surface, devil's going to pick that off so easy. It'd be like taking candy from, from a little baby. And, and, and so God wants to see what you carry. What you carry always comes out. Let not your heart be troubled. What you carry is what carries you. And so if you're carrying Christ, then Christ in you is going to carry you. So what are you carrying? I want to give you this, and uh, I'd like the, the worship team to come up in, uh, in a minute. Uh, but what are you carrying? What are you carrying? Number one, you're carrying the conqueror. You're not, a, you're not bringing a knife to a gunfight, as somebody said. You're not the conquered. He's not a coward that's living on the inside of you. Therefore, you're not a coward. Greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world are only words until you make it your world. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who conquers me and gives me strength. Is that true or not? We're going to find out in the trouble. Through him and in him, all things were created. All things are all things that can be conquered. Uh, you're facing today what, what it, whatever it is that's conquering you today. Realize that it's no match for he who conquered death in the grave. And even if the boat did go down and you drowned, you're not going to stay down with him. He's the God that created it all. He's the resurrection and the life. Second thing that you carry when you carry Christ is you carry the author of creation. Not a creation, not a created being, not an argument, but the Christ, the Son of the living God. Next thing is you carry when you carry Christ, you carry the carer, not the careless. What woke him up was those words, don't you care? Are you serious? As if he could just care less about your situation. He cares for you more than you care for yourself. He cares about you so much, so intensely, that one of his words, you know, for the Holy Spirit is helper and comforter and care. God's not without compassion. Jesus is in your boat. He cares for you, or he wouldn't be in your boat. And the Bible says, cast all your care upon him, for he cares for you. You carry the great I am, not the great I can. So make a list of everything that's against you and believe God to overturn everything on that list. Everything that is against me, I want God to turn it so it's for me. This is our moment, guys. This is our moment to get rid of unbelief. It's our moment as a church to get rid of our insecurities, get rid of our fears, constantly questioning God. There's a new me, it's called a, 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 a we. It's time for us to pull together as a church and quit thinking about just the me and turn it into a we because we can do a lot more than me can do. And Jesus isn't interested in making you look stronger. See, sometimes we want more teaching so we, we look better. I'm going to devour these books and these podcasts. I'm going to study the Greek. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to I'm going to go further than that. I'm going to study the Hebrew. Why? Why? Well, because it's going to make me look pretty good. 
I'm going to look pretty cool when somebody, you know, throws an argument out at the dinner party, and I go, wrong! Slicing and dicing them with Hebrew and Greek coming out everywhere, quoting a bit of, you know, pastor somebody uh, from the podcast and a few experts thrown in there, and I will make sure that they know they messed with the wrong person. Bow to your sensei. Jesus isn't interested in making you look stronger. He's not a teacher. He wants you to be stronger, Lord. So you get stronger in the trouble that's worked into you. Characters on the other side of your cross, cross over, get over it. So what are you staring at right now? You've, you've been taught. Come on. All of us have been. We get a lot of teaching. I don't think it's, we need more. Kind of put your little toes into the waters of trouble. God's saying, get over there on the other side. That could be involvement in church. <laughs> Commitment. Could be that idea that God gave you. You know, that could just be enough so you could give amazingly in the next legacy offering if you're generous. But you know, that, uh, that idea in itself, hearing that word from God, getting that idea, and, you know, wouldn't it be great if, you know, if somebody would, would invent a, a solar-powered lawnmower that was GPS, uh, you know, that would just go around and, and mow the people's lawns, kind of like those indoor vacuum cleaners. That was one of my ideas, by the way. You can steal it. You can have it. But then fear grips your heart. Oh, it's going to cost me an investment to get that idea off the ground. It might just cost me my, my life. I might have to quit complaining about mowing the lawn and do something about it. What about that marriage? What about not being married? What about just living with somebody instead of tying the knot, making a commitment so when you have kids they can see the commitment that you're in and they don't follow suit with you? What about things like that where God gives a promise for you to go into a covenant and be, oh, you know, I know, I got married. I was petrified before I got married. My wife wasn't, but I was. (laughs) What about breaking it off because you're with the wrong person? We'll get over that one. You got to get over it. So the main thing in closing is the main thing we need to get over is not a thing. It's yourself. So, yes, Vic's like that title when I told her yesterday. I was going to preach on get over it. She'd go, yeah. I said, no, but it's not quite, you know. But, yeah, it is now at the end. It is. It is. You got to get over yourself, man. <laughs> Don't turn to your neighbor and say, get over yourself. Say, self, you got to get over yourself. <laughs> you got to go, go through some trouble. Amen. Thank you for listening to the City Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message or God worked through you in any way, then please take a moment to contact us through our website at city-church.net. Or email us your feedback at info at city-church.net.